0: the people that came to me the most when people came was after a road traffic accident that was when I saw more black people Uh uh-huh and that was a tug of war because they've been made to come and it was powerful work because when they did engage when they work you know when people understand themselves something shifts
1: Welcome to the Silent Elephant Project podcast, where we have conversations with everyday people living with life limiting health conditions. We are not claiming to be specialists, but we are offering a therapeutic space to build dialogue around marginalised health themes, giving you the opportunity to listen in. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time of the day you're listening to this podcast, this is the Silent Elephant Project podcast and my name is Babs and I'll be your host for today's podcast. Is it too early to say or is it too late to say this, but I'm going to say it. Happy New Year as this is the first podcast we're releasing this year and um, this is season two of the Silent Elephant Project podcast. We cannot wait for all the new stories that we are going to be exploring in the city of Manchester and beyond. Um, This season is a season whereby we are looking to explore people's personal stories and potentially their journeys into where they are at now, not only prior to the pandemic, but through the pandemic and what they see beyond the pandemic. So our first guest for uh, this year of 2022 is someone called Tammy. Um, her story is one of a kind she's got uh, a wealth of wisdom knowledge and also a versatility into the things she does vocationally as well as um, for hobbies the reason why I brought her on here was because her story to where she's at is very rich very inspiring and I think people should hear this um, from her also what she has Um, gone through and what she has overcome is also very inspiring and also motivates myself as the interviewer hopefully will motivate you as the listener so before i let you guys listen to this podcast one thing i would say is sit back get a cup of coffee because it's about to be real
0: Tammy, um, Tammy Liury, and I'm a psychologist. I'm a counselling psychologist by profession. Um, what that means is I work in the psychology profession. I provide psychological therapy. Um, predominantly, I also do guest lecture on the Doctorate in Counselling Psychology course at the University of Manchester, where I trained. As well as that, I do offer consultation for companies um, just to help them think about issues of mental health in the workplace. So pretty much that sums it up.
1: Handful of things. Yeah. How do you keep on on top of stuff with this?
0: I think the, the thing is psychology is so interesting. It's almost like there's a tread that follows through everything. Um, As a practicing psychologist in sort of mental health, I'm learning constantly, so I'm studying. So when you do lecture, you're teaching people, you're taking sort of kind of practical knowledge into sort of you know research environment, you sort of kind of like interview research into sort of kind of your practice. So everything flows anyways. And whatever it is that I do in terms of psychological therapy, which is my, I would say that's like 80% of what I do, whatever is it is, is that i do there i can transfer into sort of consultation because that's the same thing that i'm talking about
1: oh, Fantastic, fantastic fantastic so let's say um vocations aside what do you do for hobbies Well, like what do you do for fun
0: yeah i mean with the pandemic things have changed i would say um so prior to the pandemic i was a traveler loved to travel and i would just be sort of you know I loved going for carnivals, so I've been to um, Rio carnival um, in Brazil, I've been to Trinidad and Tobago carnival, Um, I was going to go to Nola in New Orleans, you know, the carnival there, Tenerife, but obviously pandemic happened and I couldn't travel as much um i've always loved fitness so i put a bit more effort into fitness Uh, that sort of kind of dipped a little bit in pandemic because obviously you couldn't go to the gym you couldn't do pack runs and all of those activities that you know helped you engage in fitness Um, but i've gone back to swimming so swimming would be the one thing that i would say obby wise now i do um and yeah just socializing uh virtually most of the time
1: Um, You touched on the pandemic, and we know that everybody has been affected by the pandemic, either way. Um, And and for you, I just wanted to find out how, you know, you spoke about how it affected the way you travelled. So that in itself um, has affected you from, you know, your hobby-wise and stuff. But from a personal perspective, how have you coped with the pandemic?
0: So initially, you're sort of thinking, okay, you can work from home now. I didn't really like it much, but I was doing it, you know, cut travel time off. I thought things were going well because I was now starting to like look at my house and get a feel for my house differently. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. A new relationship with my home, you know, so you get excited, um, decorating, moving stuff around. And then something hit and it took a while for me to realize actually the impact of the pandemic. I wasn't enjoying my job as much. Lethargy. It It took a while for me to catch on, I think until about four months, five months after I've decorated everything. Obviously, I wasn't traveling. I'm the type of person. That I have family, families all over the globe. Couldn't see them. Um, you miss them so much and can't travel. You don't know when you're going to travel. So those things started to impact me psychologically. I would say I'm coping um, yeah. okay. I'm still working on you know, what works for me. Like I said, I've just gone back into swimming more times Good. in the week because I find swimming is just easier on my body. Than you know, weight training because I, I used to do weight training as well, so yeah, I would say you know, you just find what works. And I think for me, I've noticed that I think with this pandemic, because we don't know where we're going with it, mm-hmm. you have to check in on yourself and evaluate like, where am I at now? Are these things still meeting my needs? Mm-hmm. Do I need to reevaluate how many people I see a day or the type of work I'm doing? Am I still in? So, you have to, if you don't hash yourself this question, sometimes you don't even know, and you are sort of like being implicated by it
1: so no definitely i think i think this this I keep telling people that 2022 will probably be a better year than 2021. Reason yeah. why is because we had no expectations. Okay. So in 2021, we wanted yeah. to get out. We were like, Oh, okay, we're going to be out of this. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. All of a sudden <laughs> it, we're still in it. So I think 2022, we've
0: accepted. Everybody accepted. Of, like, this is you. part of our life. Mm-hmm, now. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. how
1: can we mitigate this lifestyle yeah. and yeah. make sure that it works for yeah. us? And yeah. I think what you said is perfectly right in the sense of now we, we have to evaluate things and we mm-hmm. have to start thinking mm-hmm, about mm-hmm, things, which mm-hmm. is really rich, really rich. Um, and it kind of leads me nicely because you seem like a very driven person. You know, you, you seem like somebody that's quite self-reflective, um, and you think a lot about you know what your next step or your what 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 this current situation you're in means to you. So it's nicely nicely leads to my next question, which is what were the driving forces for your career choice? Because your career choice is a unique one, not only for an African descent or a black person i think it's um it's just generally something that is quite um quite challenging in itself because because if i think about that role which is um a as a counseling psychologist it's it's almost like a a role that requires you to have some next level emotional intelligence so please tell me what were the driving forces and what was the journey like for you to become this
0: you know the main driving force in sort of kind of like Stepping along this career path that I feel God carved for me was, I loved children. I loved play. When we moved to the UK, I was about fifteen. You know, you start to think a little bit more again. Like, you know, still kind of like liked working with kids. I went to college, and I told my mom at this time. I told my mom. I'm actually going to change direction. My mom was just like, no, you're going to be a nurse. Because, you know, nursing, nursing was quite high. Like, nursing was peaking in the UK then. They need a lot of nurses." Mom's like, no, you're going to be a nurse. Because there's lots of work. And, like, you know, calm down. I'm like, you know, there are other... I was trying to educate my mom. And thank God she listened. So she was just like, are you sure? So I went to um, college and I studied um, child studies. And you know what? That was just it. I, it was just love. Child afforded. studies. Yeah. So there's something
1: like that. Yeah. <laughs> I <didn't know laughs> so that. I
0: did. Um, yeah. Child. Was it like? It was BTEC.
1: So what's in child studies? Like, what kind of like modules? you
0: So yeah, child studies. You learn about child development. You learn about, you know, child educa- education. So like child development from zero to, I think about, thirteen. I don't think we we learn so much about adolescence. So. It's fascinating and then he had a um, placement element which meant that i actually got to work in nurseries mm. which i loved i worked in nurseries and i worked in schools and to be honest the years flew by because i was just championing myself and to be honest back then i had this optimism that I don't know like I think life sucked a little bit out of it (laughs) so I would sort of kind of just tell my mom like I've got it I've got it you know um don't worry um so I went to uni now and I combined psychology and childhood studies because you couldn't do child psychology as an undergrad course
1: so um so for me in a sense when you got into uni and you were doing this what made you not start to see what we call the career you currently have now as a potential path
0: Speaking to my lecturer, so I had a lecturer called Dr. Wendy Nichols. I remember her very well, like, because she's one of those people. I don't even think she knows that she's sort of impacted my life because, God, she was amazing. So I was a, you know, I was one of those people that sucked up to lecturers because I just wanted to do well. Good. Right? Good. <laughs> Good. I wanted to do well. In the midst of a lot of people, like, you know, psychology, child studies was easy. Like, I would just say, like, there wasn't as many people in child studies as, as such. So that was my kind of, like, other... In, in, you can say secondary course. So I I was alright with that. But psychology was sad. Psychology undergrad because you had to do some statistics in first year. So you had to sort of speak to like lecturers to sort of understand. And I worked closely with her and she was like, Look, psychology is difficult. It's difficult to make it in this, you know, this pathway. You have to do a doctorate, which at the time not many universities were offering the course and it's quite competitive. Like they only take about eight to ten people on a course per year so she was like you need to sort of make yourself competitive so she advised me on the type of work experience that i could do so i volunteered the voluntary work was the it for me so i thought okay yeah like and then i i I got to speak to people i then got to do more research how you know what other professions are there in this field obviously i wasn't going to be a volunteer you know i still worked for Childline after i graduated um, so, but I knew I need to find a career path. So, then started to explore um, career paths in psychology. So, clinical psychology was one, counseling psychology. I knew I didn't want to do forensic psychology. Um, child psychology was another but it's mixed up with educational psychology had a little bit more extreme sort of education research. i wanted to work with people as a therapist. that was very important to me so counseling or clinical psychology were the parts that were narrowed down and i pursued counseling psychology
1: your feedback on this and your comment on that next question will be rich for the listeners to hear okay so from your perspective um obviously from your your experience in mm-hmm. your industry, how you've been working. Um, what can you comment on with regards to the engagement levels mm-hmm. from minority ethnic individuals mm-hmm. um in relation to mental health? Yeah. Because that's the space that you're yeah. in. So yeah. how have you seen it progress from the mm-hmm. time you started mm-hmm. to now? You probably give us the dates when you started officially yeah. doing it till yeah. now and what have you seen?
0: So I think one of the things is obviously if we are not encouraged to go into this path to go figure this you know as a as a vocation that's that's one of the big problems so when we talk about lack of representation we've got to think about that are we being encouraged to learn to teach to understand yes that's one of it do we know what this
1: is that's right? the question do people even do know, we, know what yeah. this yeah and the
0: reason why people don't know what, what this is is okay so you got to think about this Right, there is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. If anyone know knows Maslow, know know right? Know okay, it. maslow's yeah. very popular, and Maslow's hierarchy of needs goes way, way back. We're talking nineteen forties or fifties. If anyone sort of thinks it, if it is different, and I've gotten it wrong, that's fine. That was, I've not studied Maslow since God knows when. The basic need that Maslow talked about, and it's so, it's so, it's so, um, it's such a theory that is rich, that is so hold but so relevant and i tell my clients all the time food water shelter rest all right your core basic need then you've got safety and security so if you don't have food water shelter rest you're not likely to survive because you will either die of starvation or dehydration or lack of warmth so those fundamental needs that has to be met Safety and security, then you have to feel safe and secure. Physical safety and security, then you think about emotional safety. But physical safety first, because obviously if you're not physically safe, again, you're dead. And then emotional safety. And then that's when people can start to think about the other part of the need, which is self-esteem needs. This is where the key mental health is, like the sense of who I am. Now, if people are deprived at this level, they're not going to know about their mental health because they will be chasing that first. You know, I work in a way where my main goal is to help people understand themselves. I don't know you. You know you more, but you don't have, you don't, you perhaps don't have that level of consciousness to understand what's going on for you. And that's why you're here to see me. So we need to cultivate that understanding together. So that's the work we do. If you think that rest isn't important, which many people don't think, they think that rest is luxury, you will have problems. Emotional security was compromised because we were all worried about the pandemic, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, physical security was okay ish, but who knew what was going to happen? Da-da-da-da. Will you have work? Will you know how? So, a lot of things happened. So, you had to re- evaluate where am I lacking? So I think one of the reasons why, if you think about what's happening in terms of like mental health representation within the black community is first of all, we just don't have the awareness. We just don't, we we don't have the awareness. And you know, for me going into this profession, I didn't see one black person, you know, in front of me, they existed, but they, they were not in my, they were not in my foreview. All right. I also wasn't sort of kind of thinking because you have to survive the course was tough like i would say sort of doing the doctorate was you know would be maybe not so much now one of the toughest things that i did at a point like it was just really challenging like i knew you know i knew nothing about my mental health i was learning about myself whilst helping people whilst being expected to sort of kind of like do a lot of things in terms of like the academic
1: so let's backtrack to that fact of you didn't know much about your mental no. health so do you think that's a reason why we minority groups minority individuals in this country mm-hmm. do not place value or if that's asked the right question do not place value on using the services that you are offering that's
0: one of the reasons that's absolutely have one you of seen the... that progress over time oh yeah absolutely like you know that's one of the reasons is we don't know what's going on after time you know like i don't see many black people come to me mm. all right and when black people come to me all right and i know because you know what i have a small sample of black people that I've, that I've worked with in that capacity. And it's been a tug of war. It's been a tug of war to accept because they don't choose to come. They've either been sent to come because something depended on it. Wow. Right. Okay. It's changed. 2020 was definitely a paradigm shift
1: oh fantastic right
0: okay. okay so we have younger generation now talking about it we have more black young people going into the field of mental health i mentor black people going into sort of kind of like the field of mental health um go wanting to be a psychologist wanting to sort of kind of like do do this and i am happy to see that in fact the conversation is helping me as well to learn because now i'm questioning sort of kind of like my textbooks in terms of because you, you things just 2020 was a shift Like you think wow okay yeah this makes sense now and that makes sense so black people weren't coming and when they did come there was barriers whether it's shame that happens for a lot of people but it's a different type of shame lack of awareness this sort of kind of i'm telling you thick layer delusion type like mm-mm, like I, they got it wrong but I just needed to come and see you because wow. I wanted to prove to them that they got it wrong okay wow. so you know how how do you like people typically see me because they want to see me yeah right then I have people that you know young people definitely like they come because their parents brought them most of the time but when I have adults sort of kind of telling me <sighs> and you can see all of these big flying so you know if you're not careful and sensitive right you'll be like oh yeah you don't need to be here let me just sign you off what do you need because it's easy right <laughs> and so you know i i have a few cases that come to mind mm-hmm. where helping them understand that they need to be here and why they need to be here and it's not because you need to sign a paper to get off um you know that um, so
1: percentage wise so let's yeah. say before pandemic percentage right. wise with regards to your pack of um clients yeah how many people were of minority um minority ethnic ethnicity right
0: so let me tell you something and then
1: how has that changed over? yeah the-
0: I would say less than a percent like of wow i'm telling you and i have done thousands of hours of therapy less than
1: one percent i've done
0: thousands of hours because as a trainee i would say that i did over one thousand hours of therapy training in order to sort of kind of like be satisfied and and i overdid my placement anyways because i enjoyed the work
1: less than one percent
0: yeah so when (laughs) i was training when i was training and out of like a thousand hours of therapies and seeing over a hundred clients. I had not one single black client.
1: And where were you training?
0: I was I trained in Manchester. So South Manchester. So South Manchester. you worked
1: yeah, in South Manchester? I worked in
0: South. I worked in North.
1: Or did you work in North oh, Manchester yeah, as well? Yeah yeah Good. I
0: worked in South. I worked in north and I went to where did I do my last placement which was obviously like side is not that diverse but mm.
1: yeah. Out of all that placement, it was less than none—not even one.
0: None at all. It was after. And this was during
1: what year? What years were these? So
0: I trained. I started my training in 2011, and I finished in 2014.
1: Okay. So then, so then after training, yeah. You're saying less than one percent. Yeah.
0: Till 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have more younger people now, like more younger, sort of like you know, um, black um, mixed. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, I had maybe a few Asian people when I was training, but very, like I could say, maybe one or two.
1: So since the pandemic,
0: since the pandemic, percentage wise, percentage wise, still not, still not adults. Um, so still young people, yeah, still young so people. I, you know, I'll tell you how. So my the way my referral stream come. You can come to me. Um, um, if you have private medical insurance, you can come. I mean, I worked in the NHS, so anybody can come through their GP or whatever. Um, now that I work fully in private, so I get people who find me through my website or directories. I get people being sent by their insurance company, private health insurance, um, and then I was doing, up until recently, um, I was working, um, I was doing road traffic accident, um, I was helping people with, um, with, uh, who have suffered trauma after a road traffic accident, and I was saying the people that came to me the most, when people came, was after a road traffic accident, that was when I saw more black people, uh-huh. and that was a tug of war, because they've been made to come. And it was powerful work because when they did engage, when they work, you know, when people understand themselves, something shifts. I tell my clients, you are. this is not gonna be an easy process. This is going to be difficult. And this is why you don't see, I won't advertise myself on on TV and say, you know what, and then you'll come to therapy, I'm gonna make you feel better. Because chances are, it's not for everybody. You might sort of kind of do therapy and you figure things out that takes you into extreme grief. All right. And the thing is with grief, you can't marathon your way out of it. Okay. got to step into it. You, you've got to feel things to heal. If you don't feel something, you can't heal it. Mm. And the process of feeling it, you can't put time on it. I like that. Okay. So, so it is hard.
1: Yeah. I like okay. that. No, I like that. So as we round up this, um, this section of, of the podcast, what well, I want you to tell me, what do you think we can do? because I like the fact you said young people are starting to come. So what do you think? Just give me like three steps or three things you possibly think we can do to ensure that minority ethnic communities are engaging more with careers or opportunities that you offer as your vocation.
0: Okay. so I think we need to sort of kind of work at sort of low levels all right, fear, if you think about what underlies it, like I said, fear of the unknown, lack of awareness, uh, a lot of fear, a lot of shame, we need to find ways of working, how do we help to, first of all, you have to understand every story, like mental health 2020 was that year where it became, you know, it's been sort of kind of like gaining popularity, but I just think it's a lot of the awareness is a lot of smoke. Some, like to some, to some degrees, working. But I think we need to sort of, kind of, um, what is it? Tailor things specifically to groups, to break things down into chunks. How will someone like my mom understand mental health? So someone like my mom will listen to a pastor, right? Okay. I went to church. That was sort of, kind of, the first community that yeah. you know I was raised in church would be a good place to also sort of kind of start to educate people mm-hmm. so that I and mean, in the language that people understand um in bits and bob but we need to sort of kind of like de-shame we need to sort of educate we need to you know like you're educating people about vaccine the same way you're doing that to sort of kind of like help people understand you're educating people about diabetes we all are learning about my health my mom's been super super health conscious now over the last 10-15 years because because of knowledge and awareness so people can change people can learn um, so this has to be there and you need to increase access it took so long I wouldn't say so long but the hurdles I had to climb to be a psychologist it's unnecessary all right it's there's just not as much courses available
1: so you're definitely saying so educate people yeah with regards to um, eradicating the fear mm-hmm, that they have mm-hmm um also speaking to them in the language that they understand mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then also especially speaking to them in the way that they would listen yes yeah, and find to avenues
0: that people yeah find avenues find avenues to sort of kind of reach the people that need to be
1: reached so one of the big takeaways from the podcast interview that i had with tammy was the ability to reflect self-reflection is an important characteristic of this walk on planet earth the ability to have moments of checkpoints to say um, am i doing the right thing am i doing what i should be doing am i in a space that i want to be at mental space head space physical space spiritual space any space you know where am i asking that question do i want to be here Um, these are questions that are big and i think that key takeaway of self-reflection was evident in tammy's life prior to the pandemic and obviously, going through the pandemic, and as you can see, post the pandemic, it's still going to be the same case. Also, another thing was just the fact of minority um, ethnicities in the healthcare system, and understanding the versatility of the different career paths in the healthcare system. So it's not just a nurse or a doctor. Um, there's so many other things that you can be, um, you can be in that industry. And obviously, her being a registered counselling psychologist is a big thing i mean to be honest it's the first time i heard about it when i met her um it shows how limited my knowledge is and remember we said we are not specialists it's just a a couple of regular guys and regular people just trying to understand the world and uh, raise the awareness of health um in our communities so these key takeaways are 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 massive and there were so many things that um tammy challenged so many questions he had with regards to um how we see um, vocations in the healthcare um, industry and so it's important that we start to ask ourselves these questions and how can we be of benefit you know to the community around us with our skill set uh, we all are gifted with different skill sets and one per- one thing somebody said was a gift is not for you because it's for somebody else um, you don't give a gift to yourself if you've got the gift You give it to somebody else. So whatever you're gifted in is for somebody else in the community. Anyways, that's all about being philosophical and things. (laughs) All I can say is I'm so glad to be back. I'm so glad that we are back with the silent elephant project. And we hope to bring you more stories of people who are walking this life like you are, but through the lenses of health. Until then, stay safe. Stay blessed. And bye-bye.